Hi, I'm Cody Alexander of MatchCourse.com. Welcome to the Art of X show. Today, we're talking about a simple way to create match-free coverage. Now, I know that sounds interesting or a little odd for me talking about match-three coverage, you know, middle-of-the-field close coverage, but it was something that really happened kind of organically. It was something that I needed to do. It was something that needed to be created. Um, I've been asked multiple occasions, why do you not run cover three? And it's not that I don't run cover three or that I, I just didn't need it um, at the time. And in most of my career up until really last year, it, it was kind of an expensive thing to carry. And I know a lot of people carry multiple coverages and things like that. But the way that you teach your middle of the field open coverages uh, or your split field coverages, uh, you can create a way to close the post. And that was something that we did. Um, and most of the time, too. I needed to have split field coverage. Uh, cover three wasn't something that we needed. If we if we needed to get in the middle field close, I, I just ran cover ran cover one. I've been really blessed, um, uh, really to have a, um, elite DBs uh, in the and elite for the high school level, um, not necessarily Division one, but having guys that could can really close down sides of the field. Uh, and so I didn't I didn't necessarily need uh, match three. Um, that all changed last year when I, when I got to, um, where I was at, at life school, it was something that we needed and we didn't have. And well, when you don't have it and you want to teach something in the middle of the season, it just doesn't make any sense. So, um, kind of changing the way that you do things and how you look at things, you don't know what you don't know. So when you get into a situation like that, it is something a tremendous growth for me as a coach, because it, you know, you have to go in and you have to problem solve. So, um, moving down a class really illustrated a blind spot for me being in five, a six, a football at, uh, in Texas where I'm, where I'm located. And then obviously with my background at Baylor, you know, we just didn't run single high coverage. It's just one something we did. And then when we did, we, we ran cover one. Um, but it, but it illustrated a blind spot for me, you know, cover three is something that I, I've never had to actually spend any kind of, um, capital on or i never had to spend time on uh so when you when you go into a situation like that um where you look at a deficiency and a need you have to think outside of the box right so it wasn't that it wasn't that match quarters wasn't working for us it just was that i i, I didn't have safeties i could play from the table anymore uh, and so when you have that and you have to start force fitting things and that was the other thing i i needed to force fit the box and I needed to create numbers near the box because at the lower levels where I was at, at the 4A level, yeah, we were playing spread teams. We were playing Y off. We weren't seeing different formations that, that didn't change. The formations were the same. It was essentially, uh, they were spread to run and not spread to run uh, RPOs, right? It, coming from the 6A level, when I was at Mesquite Horn, I mean, we, we saw a ton of division one quarterbacks and a ton of division one receivers. We couldn't be in single coverage because we single high coverage because we give one on ones. Uh, QB centric elite receivers, RPOs, we had to run two high coverages. Um, so for me, uh, also quarters is weak rotation just in, just in its essence. So I didn't necessarily see a need to spend time and money on something when we could just run cover one. Um, uh, going back again, had safeties that could play from from the table. They could they could play high and work down, uh, and I didn't necessarily need to force fit that. Going to live school, um, playing uh, with um, not not the best safeties in, in the district, and playing 
you know, teams, three of our teams ended up going three rounds deep and the, and the one team, our, our top team ended up uh, winning, winning the, the state title. So for us, it was like, Hey, how can we, how can we adjust? How can we do this? I ran more cover one the past two years than I had ever run previously a big half field zone team when we blitz uh, stayed in quarters coverage but the past two years I needed I needed some different things we needed different things we had different athletes when I was at Horn um, I think all five of my kids that I coached at Horn for the year that I was there I think all of them are going to go division one so why not it's cat coverage right what, it, what's the best coverage of ball it's cover one right because it's easy you just hey you have that guy and so for for me I needed to evolve the way that I thought, you know, there's genius and desperation to take that from my good friend, Doug Farr, uh, who wrote a book on that topic about how the NFL has changed because of desperation. I, I think for us, it was like, look, we're at a deficiency. We need to do something to change it. I've never had to force fit anything in the box. Let's go ahead and let's sit down on the whiteboard and let's create this. And so I started looking at different ways of, of doing it. Um, and it really forced me to step outside of my ecosystem, which I think is great. You know, all around the country, football is played differently everywhere it, it, in each state, um, sometimes even in different regions within the state. Um, I know here in, in the state of Texas, uh, this, the way South Texas has to play football is different than the Metroplexes. Houston has a different style of play than, than Dallas. And so when you look at it and you start going around to these other different ecosystems in the way different things, you know, I always stay away from always and never. I don't want to tell anybody, well, hey, this is the way we've always done it. And because I think that's a dangerous thing to say. And then we all, I also want to stay away from you can't, or you can never do that. Or we never do that because look at me here. I am talking about, about uh, three match uh, and, you know, I'm match quarters. Right. So you, you start getting in a sense that when you start building walls around yourself, you're going to get into trouble. Um, we, we had a glaring need of needing to load the box. I had safeties that just they could not come from the table and make and make it. There was a deficiency. It was something uh, that we that we was. And so for me, instead of as a coach of saying, well, I just don't have players. OK, how can I make my players better? What can my players do? Um, I, I had safeties that if you put them in a position to make the tackle, they could, but coming from and reading from depth, sinking down all of the things going on in front of them, it just wasn't going to, it wasn't, it wasn't helping them out. So why keep continuously run my system because it's mine. See, I, I don't want to get into that deal. You sound like those seagulls who go mine, 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 mine. You know, I don't want to, that, it, that's not me. It's a we thing. And so I wanted to make sure that we could do that. Uh, why off was still dominant, but there was no RPO. So I didn't have to worry about, Hey, we got to cap this guy here. We got to do this. Um, it ended up being more, you know, where I was at at the 4A level, much more uh, play action uh, pass based. It was still Y off dominant, but it was spread to run. The other thing that was interesting to me is we just didn't have the right quarterbacks. You know, at, at the 6A and the 5A level, you know, the quarterbacks were all athletes. Uh, even, the, even the guys that were like true Division One gunslinger type quarterbacks they they can move i and i think that's just indicative of, of where we are with football today is it the quarterbacks have to be mobile anymore i mean you go look at the nfl and all the young quarterbacks that we have they're all young mobile quarterbacks um it, it's very rare anymore to just see a guy like a tom brady who just sits in the pocket as a young player you're just not going to see that not at, not at the the tick that we were seeing before um, i needed to readjust how i saw the game 
Uh, and, and I think that's, it's always good for people to get outside their comfort zone. And I challenge coaches all the time. Um, and I, and I wrote this in the article and, and I talked about it, uh, on multiple times of, of when I talk to young coaches, I say, look, every, when you're young, you want to learn everything and you just want to be great at everything. Okay. I want to be, I want to know this. I want to know that. And I want to be, oh, I'm going to call this. And what ends up happening is, is if you don't learn something, you end up knowing nothing. Um, and so to me, I tell young guys all the time, learn a system and then try and prove it wrong. What you can't prove wrong, that's your, that, it, it, that's your best practices, right? So there's certain things that I've learned over 10 years that I've constantly been trying to prove wrong and they just, they're not getting proven wrong. So to me, I think that it, you, you want that affirmation uh, and, and then at the same time, you need to be testing it against, hey, let's, why are we doing this? And not necessarily in a challenging sense, but in your own mind and, and work different things, challenge the way that you're teaching things. How can I make this better? How can I make this more efficient? How can I uh, do this in a different way? Uh, and I think because of I've kind of bounced around a bit, uh, I've taught multiple different players i've worked with multiple different coaches i've worked at different levels i think it's actually helped me uh become more more or less a better coach because i've had to do things differently uh so i think i see it but that came last year and i was like man i i haven't seen this this is something new and I've, i had to change the way that i saw the game really challenged myself so um i believe it's extremely important to step outside your box it's a it's a philosophy that i carry it's why um, you know, I don't necessarily, I'm kind of a guy, if you look at my resume, I, you know, I st stay three years and then I kind of move on. Uh, and, and that's not just for me. It's just, I, I want different things and I, I like different things and I need a new, new challenge. I get a new opportunity that I see, okay, Hey, this can help me out here. This can help me out here. And being in a different ecosystem, I feel like that, uh, sometimes when you're in one spot too long, you get blinded by different things. Uh, three, three things that for me, that, are always at the forefront is anchoring bias. We remember the first thing we learned. So my first thing really learned was the quarter system I learned at Baylor. And I became an expert in it. And then from there, there are certain things that we've changed, you know, that in, in that I do differently than maybe that if you were to talk to Phil Bennett, that he does. Uh, so I never want to be anchored to the first thing that I learned. And I think we get a lot of this is like, okay, well, the, the first system I learned as a player is this, and then I'm going to go and uh, this is the only thing that I know. And, I, and I'm going to formulate my ideas and a bias around that. And I'm going to discredit people that are, are different than I am just because this is the one thing that we learn. And we do this as coaches too. And it may not necessarily be the system you learn. Maybe, maybe you learned, uh, maybe the first thing you learned was I, I want to go out and I want to learn the save it system, or you want to learn the Aranda system, or you want to learn uh, a, a pro system. System. I want to learn what this team's doing. I want to learn what that team's doing. You know, a lot of guys down here run the Katie defense, uh, but they don't have Katie success. And there's a reason, right? So, you know, you've got to make sure that when you anchor yourself to something, that you're anchored to something solid one, but also is it, is it blinding you from other things that are going on? Um, survival bias is another thing. We tend to focus on success and yet forget the failures. Uh, and this is one of those things that I learned um, and was uh, increasingly important to me. I, I, 2018, I read an article on survival bias uh, and it kind of changed the way that I, I looked at it. You know, 
when we have successes, we tend to forget the failures that, that got us there. Like we think about it in a game and it goes back to like recency bias, right? Like if, if you end the game on a positive note, then you are going to then you're going to kind of forget all the bad things. But if you lose, then you kind of forget, remember all the bad things and you don't forget, you kind of forget all the, all the good things that happened during the game. You know, it's like my dad always said, you know, it's never as good. It's never as bad. Uh, once you look at the film. And so we have to remember in survival bias too, there's a reason why certain programs are the way they are. You know, like I, I mentioned the KD system, there's a lot of guys that go to Houston, run the KD system. There's a lot of guys in the DFW area run it. It's a great defense, but they're not having the same success that KD has. Uh, and so you look at it, okay, well, why is, K why is Katie having success with it? Well, a guy that invented defense is still a head coach. You've got a, a tremendous amount of elite players there, um, you know, and those coaches don't tend to leave. So you have that continuity. So when you leave or, or you go out, it, it's a different ecosystem, again, than it is than you have at that high school. Uh, you know, I, I, I think of uh, Nick Saban. Okay, look at all the success Nick Saban's had. Okay, Nick Sa the Saban system's elite, but there's there's so few that actually run that system. Uh, and so, you know, is it the system or is it the players? Is it something else? And look, I'm not trying to discredit. Don't don't get me wrong on what I'm trying to say here. Um, but what we tend to look at is like, okay, who is the best uh, in, in there? And then what are they doing? And then I'm going to take that and carbon co copy it to me what I'm doing at you know. Um, joe america high school uh, and i think that that that's where you get in trouble you have to be able to look through it and and in your own eyes and be able to 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 match things up okay this is what i have this is what i need and this is what i want uh and just be, what what you want tends to kind of be the last thing that that it's okay this is what i have this is what I need. How do these two things mesh? And then if, if we're successful, maybe I can throw in some of my wants. I want to try this. I want to do this. Um, don't get expert blinders. You know, this is another thing that happens when we become an expert in something or we feel like we, we are an expert in it or we get so far down the line or we have, well, I've got this amount of experience. We become rigid uh, and, and we, we kind of lose what the system has. There, there's less adaptability. I always go back to what Kirby Smart said about the 2014 game with Ohio State. They saw cracks. They needed to change. The saving system wasn't necessarily, you know, it, it, all encompassing. It wasn't this solid rock that they thought they thought it was, and that they needed to start changing some things. And then you look at the evolution through time. Just even even with with Alabama, you look at Georgia, you look at some of the other iterations of it, and you just see, okay, I see where there was some growth in that in that, uh, and and you can see kind of these tendencies where people get into something, and we see it all the time. Oh, well, he just got stale with that with that group, or he got he you know the game passed him, or or people evolved and and, and he didn't. Or, or uh, and what happens is you feel like you get complacent because you feel you're an expert. Well, I have this system. I could I could do this in my sleep. I could do the install in my sleep. You know, it, we don't change anything, man. That's a bad way of, of approaching everything. And that's what the off season is for: is to go back and say, okay, what hurt us this year? What were we good at? Um, where were where were our deficiencies? Where were our efficiencies? We need to run more of this. We need to design more plays like this. Oh, we need to take these out of the playbook. Our kids just can't do it. The things that I could do at Midlothian, I couldn't necessarily do at Horn, even though I probably had better athletes at Horn. 
Um, and then you go from horn to life school. That's a completely different change. It's a different animal in and of itself in terms of what we were seeing from week to week basis to the players that I had. Um, and so you can go down the line from different programs you may have worked at, what worked at this program may not work at this program. So that's why I think it's always important to have an open mind when you're looking at things, especially in the off season, especially right now, it's the summertime. We're, we're working out. Everything's great. Uh, everybody's in the white room. Um, but now we're kind of in that lull. We're, we're out of clinic season. We're kind of waiting. We're, we're working on our, we're working on our fall installs. We're looking at different things. And so I think it's important to just anchor bias, survival bias, expert blinders, make sure that those are always, you're always aware. Um, we tended to, as coaches, we, we live in closed loops. So I only talk to this guy because he's similar to mine or, Hey, I only talk to him because he, he knows the same system as me. And so we tend to stay in these closed loops and, Oh, well that, that guy's got ideas or I don't like the way that they do that. And instead of, instead of looking at it, it's like, Hey, that's interesting. How can that fit into me? Or, Hey, why are they doing that? They're having success with it. Why are they doing that? I always too, when I look at teams that I want to study, I want to look at, I want to look at teams that do more with less. Okay. We can all be successful with a bunch of division one kids. And, and we, I think, I think sometimes our kids win in spite of us coaches. And so it's important to understand too, that, you know, it's not necessarily what we're doing, but who we're doing it with. Uh, and uh, it, again, it goes down to the Jimmy's and the Joe's, right? Not necessarily the X, X's and O's. And so I think your culture and things are built within your philosophy and within your system. And you want to obviously run sound things. It doesn't matter because when everything's equal, that's, that's when scheme and coaching comes up. Um, but I do think that we've got to get out of our closed loop of, I only want to deal with people that are like me, because when we do that, we end up, we get group think and when we get group think then we get well that's the way we've always done it because i know there's there's multiple programs i have friends that have worked in multiple programs that that are stale that they've fallen on hard times that man 10 years ago was one of the best programs in the state or it was one of the best programs in the region and what's wrong nobody left everybody's still there and everybody talks about the glory days and that that you get that because no nobody's looking outside no one's thinking outside the box and everybody becomes all alike. If we were all carbon copies of each other, then you get group thinking, then, then you, you can't see the deficiencies. You have, you end up having, like I said, those expert blinders, you end up getting those blind spots and never, never, never blame it on the kids. It's always our fault. Um, so that's, uh, you know, again, stepping outside of your ecosystem, seeking out different philosophies keeps you ahead of the game. I think that's important. You can learn something from everybody. Um, you can, you can get on YouTube and there's plenty of people that have, that are throwing up videos all the time. Uh, there's plenty of people writing things. People are, are people, we live in an era where everybody's okay with just putting everything out there. Uh, so information dissemination is so much quicker than it is. And if you need, Hey, you know, we, we struggled with this play. I mean, you literally could Google it and I guarantee you, you could find 10 different things and find something that you kind of like that's a little bit different and seek that person out because it, they'll probably talk to you about it. Go visit programs that are tremendously successful and then go see why they're that way. Um, I think we kind of get these illusions and we, 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 you know, see the, see the logo and stuff and we don't necessarily ask, okay, well, why are they successful? Is it because of the players? Is it because of coaches? Because of the culture? What's, what's the recipe there? Um, fight bias, blind spotting, you know, we tend to see the, the bias and the, and the negativity in others, and we don't necessarily see it in ourselves. So I always look in the mirror first. I, that's my big goal is I want to look in the, the, in the mirror first. What can I do to, to be better, uh, to help my kids out? Um, what can I learn 
that's that's a better way of teaching something that's a better way of doing something and then asking others for help which i'm terrible at i'm terrible at asking others for help um ask anybody that knows me i you know i you know if i it's it's something that i've got i constantly am working on if i i need to do something better um one of the things that i'm afforded with is is a, a just a a, a deep pool of people that I can reach out to that are knowledgeable and they know things. And so, you know, sometimes it's, yeah, I'm like, I, I need to take more advantage of that. Um, so I think, you know, and I challenge anybody that doesn't is go ask help. If, if you need help with something, ask. Um, if, if you, hey, we struggled with this, even if it was something, even if you had a successful season and you're like, okay, well, I know that we struggled with this because guess what? Everybody's watching your film and they're, and they're saying, okay, where's the crack? What can we do more next year to equal that? So I think that's important. I think it's important to step outside of your, of your system. If you're a four down system, go talk to somebody that runs a tight firm, go somebody that, that, that runs the mint that runs, that runs something. If you're a quarters guy, go talk to somebody that, that, that bases in, in cover three. If you're cover three guy, go talk to somebody that bases in quarters. Cause even if you don't walk away and say, well, I'm wholesale changing my defense what you're going to do is you're going to come away with ideas i'm in the business of ideas i want i want to challenge people to see the game in a different way and not in my way just a different way hey this is what somebody's doing over here this is what somebody's doing over here look at this idea over here look at this idea over here you know i don't i'm not selling a playbook you know and i think that that's i think that's important too is with yourself is just understand like i need to step outside of my system i need to look at different things and I need to kind of evolve as a coach and get better every year because the game is changing, right? Every day, every year is changing. Your, your team's changing. Your scheme should be changing with those changes. Don't just go to top programs easy, always. Um, it, it, because it's easy for them sometimes, right? If you go to a top program, it, it, you know, sometimes I've, I've been to several programs that are top programs or, or you go to a, a college program that's really good and you go there and you're like, what are they doing? And then you're, and then you realize, oh, they're winning because they have the best, they have the best players, they have the best facilities, and and they have really good coaches. Um, and so it may not necessarily be the scheme; it could just be everything around it. I always, again, I, I, I you know, not everything translates to what you're doing, uh, and so that's kind of where I am. You know, that kind of brings us full circle into the the match three thing. Is I needed something that fits what. I had at life school and what I needed, right? I needed a way to get to the middle of the field clubs versus YL formations. I don't need it versus 10 personnel. I needed it versus YL formations. I had to tie into our middle field open coverage. We play split field quarters. Okay. How can I put in a, a simple cover three structure into that? And it matches the language that we use. I needed it to be inexpensive to teach because I only needed it on in certain occasions. I didn't need it all the time. This wasn't a wholesale change. We're not going from a uh, split field quarters team to a single high cover three team. That's not what we were doing. Um, simple answers for motion and four open sets. I, that, that's what I needed. Those were the issues that needed to be solved. That's, those were our problems. And then that's, that's where I come up. So cover three basics, let's go over the cover three basics. Okay, you have three deep, right? Everybody understands it. You have two seam players. You have a strong hook and a weak hook. Strong hook's always to the most receiver side. Okay. I think everybody kind of understands that a lot of times when people teach cover three, what they do is they just draw X's on the board, right? You have, you, here's, here it is. Here's our seven man distribution. You've got four underneath. You got three over the top. Here's the X's. And then from there, it's where 
where are your players going to be post-snap? Who are going to be the X's? You have a field corner, boundary corner, and a deep safety. Who's going to field the two-seam two players? Who is going to be the strong hook and the weak hook? And so to me, that's where that's where I sit down. And like I said earlier, quarters to me has always been weak, a uh, kind of a weak rotation-leaning defense anyway, especially the way that I taught it. So to me, I think that you can get – uh, there's already verbiage in, in pedagogy that you're already using to where you can get that. One thing that was a game changer for me was once I started teaching bracket, then you can get to almost anything, right? So let's talk about bracket really quick. Just in the simplest way, bracket is you're going to make the number one receiver. Meg means man everywhere he goes. He's done. Field corner, X out the number one receiver. We're going to move the nickel outside leverage in number two. He's going to play mess, which is man except short. Okay, on number two, scooch technique, meaning that he's just inching out six inch steps. He's going to catch number two. He's going to be physical with him, but he's sitting outside. He's going to have all of number two up and out. I like to use up, out, in, and I like to use match, carry, deliver. So he's going to take all of number two up, and he's going to take all of number two out. He's going to release anything that's under five yards. If, if that, and really, all that is is like any kind of shallow route, like a mesh route, anything like that, he's getting rid of it. Push with a fast three. That is, so if number three goes out fast and we are just playing, we're playing basic coverage, right? And three goes out fast, that's, then we're just going to push it. And then the safety can just cap the, the route of number two or, and the mic will just kind of roll into number two, depending on where he is. Free safety or the field safety. Okay, because we're looking at a field to boundary, right? Let's just say it's a traditional assignment. We got two receivers on one side, we got one on the other. We got we got a a, a Y in the C, and we got a running back set week. Okay, so there's there's your visualizations. It's typical uh, spread 101 Y off, right? So your your field safety is going to apex alignment between two and and the box, right? He's going to be flat foot. He he has the alley. He has the first gap from the box. He's the alley defender. You're, you're creased it. You're, you're, what you're going to end up having is you're going to end up having your nickel outside of number two. And then you've got the free safety running, uh, field safety running that alley, that field alley right there. And he's going to have all of number two in. So if two goes in, he's going he's gonna to nail down on it. Okay. Mike has three. If, it's, if three is set to the bracket side, we've got push alert. If three set away from, from the other side, we're not, we're not really worried about it. Right. So if they, they stack the backs opposite. I'm not really worried about any kind of push. And this is where this is where it, it gets interesting and where I started to have to think about how I was going to teach this, right? So issues with cover three, how do you handle a fast three, okay? Because on paper, it sounds really easy, right? Oh, we're just going to push it. It's fast three. Okay, he's, he's there. You're just going to push out. Hopefully, the safety's right there. Well, somebody has to cap number two because they could easily send a fast three and then just run a, a, a slot fade and run away from your flat-footed safety, right? That's an issue. That's a major issue, okay? What about change of strength motion? Okay, how, do we, how are you going to handle change of strength motion out of that in cover three? How do you handle reduced sets? What are you going to do when one and two are lined up next to the box? Rub routes versus two and three. What if they line up number two really close to the box and they're trying to rub routes? Or what if we get stacks? What if we get bunches? Okay, and this is where the concept of zone it, man it, and, and, and under alert come in. So these are the th things that we had to add to our language so that way we knew what we were going to do. And our we call this three Y coverage 
or just three, uh, because and we we label it with the Y so the kids understand that we're going to um, we're going to move to the Y. So wherever the tight end is, that's where we're going to go. Okay. So how do we handle a fast three? We're handling a fast three easy with the zone and the man. If it's basic alignment, meaning that the slot is on or outside the hash, we're going to man it. There's no reason to zone it. I don't want that's too much space for them to push my mic out. And then he's got a robot into a, a, a vertical. My safety, my safety sitting there flat foot, and we're going to get a slot fake. We're not doing that. We're going to man it. So we, we, and, and I'll go through the tags here in a little bit as we, as we go through. If we get, if two and three get tight, we're going to zone it because we know we're going to get some sort of switch. So that's when we, and we, we get the push. The under alert. Okay, remember I go back to mess, right? Man except short. If two rolls his hips through and he runs a mesh route, he runs a cruise route, whatever you want to call it, an under route. Okay, then we give an under, under, under call, right? And then that is when we can switch it off, right? That's when the mic will hinge open, he'll collect it and carry it across. And then the Sam or the nickel will then kind of just, he'll either cut one if nobody's coming out or he will just find work and he'll zone over, he'll zone over the fast three. But here's the thing, and I talked talking to a coaching buddy of mine the other day about this, is that if I get those two, if I'm going to get a, a, a mesh route from number two, he's probably going to be closer to the box. Very rarely do you see a mesh route when the guy's outside the hash. Uh, very rarely. I'm not saying that I never remember. I don't, I don't say always and never, but very rarely do you see a mesh route from the receiver outside of the hash. It very rarely does it happen. So our under alert is more or less like, hey, he's in a dirty alignment. He's not really close, but he's not really, he's not really far. So he, that what I call that dirty alignment, that kind of in between that gray area. So we're going to give it an under alert. Hey, under alert. So we're not zoning it. We're not manning it, but there's an under alert and we're going to, we're going to play man unless I, unless I give you an under call. That's how we did it. So what are the basics of our, our three wide coverage? Okay. We are going to spin to wherever the tight end is. So now visually, I'm giving you a visual. We got two receivers to defensively looking at the offense. We've got two receivers to the left. We got one receiver to the right. I've got the tight end set to the single receiver side. We're going to give a thumbs call. Okay. Like a thumbs up, thumbs up me or a thumbs down means that the safety, the boundary safety is going to work down post snap. Okay, what Thumbs tells the inside linebacker next to him is you are now the three up player. Well, if we have, if you think about it, we have a two by two set. We've got the tight end to the X and we've got two receivers opposite. It's a two by two set. So he really doesn't necessarily have to worry about three up unless the running back runs a pipe, right? So we, all he is doing, what I tell him there is you have the vertical hook, okay? Anything to the flat, the safety is going to take right? The safety is going to take it. He's going to cut one. And then I have always believed this when I played it in college, when I, when I've taught it at the high school level, anytime we ran cover three, if you're to the buy one side, it is man covered for that corner. Uh, unless he just goes under. So it's, it's mess technique. If he goes underneath right now on a shallow route, I ain't worried about it. Climb to the middle of the field. Cause something's coming. Something's coming deep. They don't run that guy shallow and not run like a, a dig post, a mills route or a double post from the other side. So we're going to have thumbs means I'm the first to fourth player. I'm either the first to the flat or the fourth person across. Right. Cause if I, I can only have five eligible receivers, it tells the will you got to be a vertical hook. The safety's communication is you're the cheat. And then I'm, I'm thumbs. 
right? So the field safety now is the cheat safety, meaning he's cheating to the post. He's going to take, he's going to be flat foot, make it look just like bracket. And then on the snap of the ball, he's going to hinge to the middle of the field and he's going to take three slide steps, right? He's going to slide, slide, slide and looking at the mesh. And again, these are early down, right? And he's going to then, if it's passed, he's going to work to the middle of the field, reading the quarterback, just like you would in anything. The cheat side, if I get, it's called the cheat triangle. We call it the cheat triangle. The cheat side is the man side. Okay, so if I hear cheat, I think man, unless we're going to give it a zone at call. And that means two and three are close, right? So if I, if I have that, let's just say it's basic alignment and I hear cheat, that means I know I'm in man coverage. So the nickel is going to play man from outside leverage, right? Because he knows he's got the mic who potentially could be there to zone, right? But we want to make everything look like bracket. So pre-snap, we look like we are in over bracket, right? We're setting the front to the tight end and we're running bracket coverage to the two speed. Okay. It looks exactly the same. If everything goes according to plan, let's say that they run Y cross, right? So we've got number two, the slot slots running kind of a, a 10 yard over route and they push the back to the flat. They're, they're, they're running five out. What we would end up having is the mic would end up expanding with the running back and the nickel would stay on top of that over route. And you would get the vertical hook from the other side from the wheel and then you would have if anything let's say they go five out and they push the they push the tight into the flat you would have the boundary safety on the flat so that's how that plays out okay so cheat side means man thumbs means i'm coming down and it's like an inverted sky well we already have thumbs in our language right because that goes back to i needed something that was already in our language well already got that in our language we have it it's called thumbs so he's going to drop down he's going to cut one it's like an inverted it's like an inverted sky i think most people are familiar with that okay so we got our four under, we got our three deep. We're playing a man side and his own side. Okay. Now, what if they set the tight end to the two receiver side? We give a buzz call. Okay. That means the safety is going to buzz down. Okay. He's going to work down into the box. And now the mic becomes the inside linebacker to the buzz side, the, which is usually the mic is going to now be the three up player. So if we do get a pop by the mic, he is going to carry that. Now we can do different things. If we want the mic just triggered down in there, we could tell the safety, hey, in this, technically you're gonna you're gonna carry that vertical of the tight end. If he he, if he were to release in, empty, because remember we can play top down on this. So just in terms of, of camp rules, Mike ends up being the three up, Will becomes the first to fourth, and then our free safety, he's the buzz. So he's gonna end up just buzzing underneath number two. Nickel doesn't change anything. The beauty of this system is when you teach it as bracket is the nickel doesn't change anything. The only thing that nickel knows now is he doesn't have to worry about th fast three. He knows right now I'm outside leverage on number two and I'm taking him out and up. Okay. And then our, our corner becomes a mod corner, right? He's man outside or deep, right? He, he's not worried. So we're on the zone side where the cheat side is now on the backside. It's the by one side. So the wheel knows, look, if I've got the back to me, I'm pushing the back. I'm the first to fourth, right? I got first to flat. And then the corner, obviously, to the by one side knows he's man. So, again, we have our zone at tag, which is thumbs or buzz. And then we have our man tag, which is cheat. Okay, now we can end up zoning it in a buzz situation if two and three get together, right? So, if two and, and our tight end. So, if two gets real close to tight end, we can buzz down and we can, we can still – it just plays like zone, right? Um, and if, if it's 
one of those deals where we get one and two close together, again, we can zone it. We can do different things like that. We don't necessarily have to sit there and say, okay, well, you're to the man side, you're to the cheat side. So hopefully, hopefully that makes sense. Okay. So we've got thumbs and we got buzz. What do we do about 10 personnel? Because I've played a team that has a tight end that they'll line up in 10 personnel and then they'll motion them back in, or they will, uh, just align him out there and maybe they want to run screens. Maybe that he's a good, he's a good athlete and, and they want to get him out. Cause I've done that too. So what's the, what's the best coverage in ball? It's cover one, right? So we, we have, we call it silver. We just checked silver. We just checked cover one within that. Now, if, if we get a two by two set, it's relatively easy. It's just, we're playing man. And then whoever doesn't have the running back in the, in, in the inside with the wheel or the mic, he's the rat. Right. So he's he's got the radical. Okay. And three by one, if two and three get together, they can play mini. Mini, anytime we say M, that means we're playing man, right? So we get we get mini, we get mix. Um, and so when we get mini, we're basically playing it like a special or stubby. Okay, with the nickel and the free safety, knowing that they can play kind of a banjo concept from depth, right? But we we and I tell these guys, look, we're not nailing down on anything. If we run mini, then we better know who's got who right we're not just going to nail down on on and because the worst thing you can get is both guys taking one guy right so it, what what i tell them is it's got to be a, it's got to be kind of like a slow switch right so so those guys if they switch right now then we can then we can then we can run many but if they're not if they don't switch right now then we need to just stay on our guys and then just play cover one because because that's it's easy right i've got that guy you've got that guy we've got a guy in in the post doesn't change anything for the backside corner um so to me i think this is the way that we've evolved to create it so going back we have thumbs right so the tight ends to the by one side we give a thumbs call thumbs down safety is going to sink down he's the first the fourth player the vertical hook player becomes the will linebacker we have the cheat side where the nickel and the mic and the cheat safety are playing their man triangle okay we have if the tight ends to the two receiver side it creates a three by one so we're going to buzz we play three buzz right so we're going to play where the safety is going to buzz down the nickel now knows he doesn't have to worry about anything out. And now he knows he's got all, all the number two out and up. The mic becomes the vertical hook player and the will becomes the first to fourth. Backside corner, it's a cheat side. He's got him man to man anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, and then 10 personnel, we check to cover one. That tends to be it, be easy. Now, Coach A, what if 10 in 10 personnel, they get tight and y'all can play again, we play our banjo rules. We already have that built in with our cover one. So the guys already the, the, the guys already know that. So we end up getting, uh, getting around all of that. What if we get a bunch, then we play bunch. That's the one thing that we, that we uh, decided um, was that if we end up getting, let's say we end up getting one and two close to the box and we've got a little bit of like a, a bunch set, then we're just going to check the bunch. And we can play, but it's, it's our bunch check, right? So we're just going to play quarters out of our bunch. If we wanted to do something, maybe we could sink down the guy, the backside safety opposite of it. We're, we're on some sort of weak rotation, but we, but again, I'm looking for inexpensive. We don't necessarily see a ton of bunch. I'm not really worried about it. So I just need something that I can line up to this basic formation and play. Um, so let's, let's wrap it up. Big thing. Hopefully you understand, identify blind spots in your own teaching in your own scheme, uh, and even if you are successful. Look, we all lose when we learn. I mean, we all learn when we lose, right? So when we lose, 
we're like, okay, that's got to get fixed. Those are glaring things. We got that. It's when you win and you win a lot. You know, I think I've learned more over the past year, not being successful, trying to work with things, you know, that genius of desperation, trying to, trying to re fix things, trying to see different things differently. I have massive deficiencies. Then some of my times when I was at Midlothian, we were really successful, right? Didn't have to do too many things. Uh, sometimes you can get into trouble when you are really successful because you try and do too many things, which I know I was, I know I was guilty of that uh, at times. So reach out to fix them. Hey, you were really, I, I saw this, you were really successful against this. How, what are you doing? And then what can I learn from that? Um, experience new things. Even if it's just going to um, eating a different food item at a restaurant, just, you know, even if it's as simple as that, take baby steps, right? I need to learn something new. I need to experience something new. Go to a different place, right? Hey, I always go to this. This is my go-to. Okay, well, maybe there's somebody that's within that system that does something a little bit differently. Maybe it's a different iteration. Maybe, what? okay, I, this is my comfort zone, but I'm going to try something. I'm going I'm to go out a little bit differently. I'm going to go visit this person instead of visiting this the, the, the normal person. One system is not necessarily better than the other. Okay, remember, we all live in different ecosystems. We all see different things. What I need here in Texas is completely different than what somebody needs in Michigan. Might be completely different than what someone needs in Seattle. and might be completely different than what somebody needs in Florida or, or New York. I think I hit all the areas of the United States, right? So, you know, it, it, we all have different ecosystems. We all see different things. So to me, for me to sit here and tell you, well, this is the only way you can do it. That, that I'm lying on myself because what you see is completely different than what I see. Um, so design a system with the end in mind. What do I need? What do I have to have? Make an inventory. I've got to have these things and then work backwards. What are things, what can I pull away from this? What can I pull away from this? Well, we already had thumbs, right? So that was an easy language system for them to use. Oh, I get that. I'm down. We had, and, and really all we had to do is put put buzz in and the kids had to learn how to how to do cheat we already do two three pushes anyway that's something that we work all the time with our linebackers especially our nickel and our mic so that's not a foreign concept for them it was the safeties that had to retool what they were doing and it allowed us to force fit it, it, it as we as we were working through some things so use parts of your system to streamline pedagogy um, interchangeable parts. I'm a big believer in that. Hey, this is similar to this. We're taking this part of this coverage and putting it in here. And then obviously naming it something and giving the kids some autonomy to be able to run it. Uh, I think is important as well. So um, thank you for joining me today on the Art of the X show, talking uh, three match coverage, talking bias, uh, which is something that I, I always find interesting in. And then obviously, guys, I, you know, I, I'll make the mistakes for you. Learn, learn from my mistakes. Uh, hopefully, too, you got something out of this. Uh, you know, I was literally watching a Broncos game, uh, watching uh, what they were doing and how they were doing it. And I reached out to a friend of mine that kind of knows that system. And it was like, oh, yeah, this is it. And I'm like, I already got the hamster going in my, in my head. Okay, this is what we need. This is what I need. So me watching a game, uh, trying to figure it out, out in a system it gave me an idea of that so like i got the system for the three y coverage watching a broncos game and then kind of going through watching more Rams state watching the chargers watching how how some of these other fangio teams were doing it and then going and talking to guys uh in, in, at clinics that are doing doing the match three stuff and seeing what they're doing just to make sure that the the pedagogy was streamlined and from that the genesis is three wide coverage that you see uh, today and that I wrote about. So again, make sure you join the Substack if you're watching this uh, on YouTube or you're listening, um, go to matchquarters.substack.com, uh, free to subscribe. Uh, 
CodeAndMatchQuarters.com for everything from the template shop to uh, article archive. Obviously, follow me on Twitter at the underscore coach underscore A. Follow the hashtag ArtofX for everything that I'm doing. Um, thank you again for joining me. Have a great week.